Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome to River Rock Fellowship Online Messages. I'm Pastor Marvin. If you're a guest, thanks for joining. Check us out at rrf.church. want to encourage you, share this link with anybody if this ministry has been a blessing to you. And if you're a veteran, God bless you and thank you for your service and want to say Happy Veterans Day to you this coming Wednesday. Well, folks, let's just get right into it. Hope counters hate much better than hate can ever counter hate. And hope is what the church has to offer. Although we are in the middle of one of the most contested presidential elections of our lifetime, right now as we are recording this, we still do not know who our president is going to be. And we are here in the month of November, a season set aside that we would be a people who are grateful and thankful. But how can our nation be thankful in a time like this? I mean, our nation is divided. Our nation does not trust its media. Big tech more than appears to be one-sided. We still have rioting. We are still facing COVID-19 and all of their regulations, and there are massive legal concerns about the purity of our presidential election. And yet, the pastor is saying, we need to be thankful and have hope. Wake up, Reverend, and smell the stench of our brokenness in our nation. Folks, as Christians... We are to be thankful in all things at all times. The Word of God says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, even a presidential election, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Let's not be overwhelmed by what we see. Yes, there is a time and a place for righteous indignation when we clearly see unrighteousness in front of us. Yet God is faithful and God is absolutely in control. The truth is a divided nation needs the church, the body of Christ to be in unity in itself. As a Christian, you already know that one of Jesus' prayers was a prayer for unity. And that the early church in the book of Acts was all about unity. They were known for unity. They were known for truthfulness. They were known for honor, for love, and for forgiveness. This was completely countercultural to the current corruption that was in its day in the book of Acts. Those corrupt people didn't value truthfulness. They didn't value honor and love and forgiveness. Is there any doubt 
that you and everyone you know is just exhausted by all the division, the tribalism, and the anger and the hatred that's defining and characterizing our nation right now. Our nation and its leaders are literally fatigued and they're exhausted by the weight of its own corruption and their spiritual need. But they don't know quite how, well, how to escape or how to rescue our nation. (laughs) And that is where the church can help. That's the perfect opportunity for the church to simply be the church. Authentic, grace-filled, hope-bearing, truthful people are what our friends and neighbors need right now. But in the midst of all that division comes some very, well, just human and very common heart issues that each and every one of us are all facing. Facing things like fear and worry and doubt. I want us to look at those three. And then we'll conclude with how thankfulness and hope is such a big key to all of it. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your goodness and your grace. And God, we pray that you would come and show yourself strong in such a time as this. Lord, our nation has, well, Father, to be quite honest, has lost its way. But I pray that the church would continue to pray, to bring everything to the altar, that we would rely on Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb to fix anything and everything that is broken, if not shattered. For nothing is impossible with you. Lord, your will, Lord, your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, let's look at fear. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. So let's just pause for a second. So they all started off in this voyage together with Jesus, and Jesus is in the boat with them. A fierce storm hits, hits incredibly hard, and the waves are breaking into the boat, and this is incredibly serious much like our situation in our land. It's incredibly serious. One political party wants to take us in this direction, and the other political party wants to take us in that direction. And we just feel like the waves are beating in on us. Let's go to verse 25. The disciples went and woke, Jesus up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Doesn't that sound like us right now? 26, and Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man 
they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now that very last verse, let's go back and let's look at Psalm chapter 89, verse 8 and 9. And it says, O Lord God of heaven, the psalmist writes, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. And hear this last verse, verse 9. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. See, right here in this moment, in describing this event, this miracle moment, Matthew is saying and connecting something together. He's connecting the fact that Jesus Christ is God. As the psalmist was saying. Wow. Fear. It's a monster. It will cause you to see things and do things you would never do if you weren't afraid. Did you know the Bible has, the scholars tell us, 366 fear knots in the Word of God? One for every day of the year and one for leap year. Folks, let's not fear. Let's look at worry. Worry, worry, worry. It's true that worry can and that it literally does have a serious negative impact on your physical body. But there is a time and a place for genuine and real concern. But as Christians, we're not to give ourselves over to living in anxiety. That's worry. It's perfectly permissible to be concerned with the facts that you don't have enough money to pay the bills or there's a concern about this because you literally see things coming together. Maybe two cars about to collide. That's normal. But when you're consumed by the unrealistic amount of energy being exerted over a concern, now it's all about anxiety. Your time and your energy are going to this and that. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Stop. Child of God. That's not concern. That's worry. And anxiety is taking over your spirit. We get to choose to say no to that and say, I choose to trust Jesus in spite of the circumstances. Let's look at a passage in which Christ addressed the idea of worry. It's in Matthew chapter 6. We start at verse 25, and it reads, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. This is Jesus speaking. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today 
and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Who will be the president? You see, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But our Heavenly Father already knows all our needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Folks, there are a multitude of things that we're tempted to be worried about. Our health, things that we own, the fear of accidents, criticism from others, worry about family and friends and their safety. And we also worry about politics and our nation. We just need to know this. Worry is completely useless. In short, worry is negative. It has no positive benefits. And it goes against everything that the Lord Jesus Christ instructed and demanded of us. What can be changed by me worrying? We can't pay bills with worry. Can you imagine pulling out your checkbook of worry and trying to write a check on it? It doesn't pay the bills. Can you imagine looking and going, well, our health will not improve unless I worry when we know actually you worry and you're going to make your health, your health worse. So may we place our unresolved problems and conflicts and, and just issues of the day in the good and the capable hands of God the Father. When we have placed our burdens into His hands and leave them there, we can be effective in both ourselves and also for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying he, we will not face difficult times or suffer. Folks, we're guaranteed that. But that worry is never the answer. Trust, thankfulness, worship of our Lord and our Savior. Now we're on the right path. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 through 15. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Amazing. Worry is just not worth it. Let's go right into doubt now. Luke 24, verse 37 but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Here's Jesus resurrected. He's appearing before the disciples, and, and they're just kind of blown away by it all. Verse 38, and Jesus says, 
Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. One of the definitions for the word doubt says to be uncertain about or consider questionable or unlikely. And I like this part. Hesitant to believe. Isn't that what Jesus is speaking to when he speaks to the disciples right here? When he says, look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost. Jesus is trying to get to them to understand you're full of doubt. And it's causing you to hesitate in the truth. They didn't have a reference point as disciples to what was happening. This had never happened before. And they hesitated to believe. Jesus was dead. He was buried in a tomb. And it's three days later, and he's alive. And now, knowing that each of them had betrayed Jesus and his ministry, can you imagine what they were thinking? Would Jesus be angry and pour out his wrath on all of them for betraying him? No. Jesus was once again teaching them about His great love and His grace. And how He would do anything for them, or even for mankind. You know, after a a forest fire in Yellowstone National Park, a forest ranger began to trek up a mountain to assess the damage. And one ranger on his truck found a bird literally petrified in ashes, perched almost kind of like a statue on the ground at the base of a tree. Startled by the eerie sight, well, he got a stick and he knocked the bird over. And as he knocked it over, lo and behold, there were a few little baby bird chicks. That mother who could have flown away from the flames of the fire In the midst of that fire, got all of her chicks, poured, got them underneath her, put her wings around them all, and took that heat and wouldn't fly, wouldn't leave, and spared her own life to save her chicks. No matter the firestorms that we face in life or that we're facing as a nation, we can be confident that our Savior will always stretch out His arms and cover and protect us. Nothing can quench His love for you. Not even a questionable presidential election. As we close, let's look at praise and giving thanks. And and how big of a key to all this It is. Well, his name is William Law, and he's an English clergyman from the 18th century. If anyone could tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness and perfection, well, 
he must tell you to make it a rule to yourselves to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seems, whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you turn it into a blessing. If God tells us He's working everything out for our good, and yet we see things going wrong, but it's in this very moment, in the chaos, in the confusion of it all, in that moment of trial, in that moment, moment of tribulation, that if we choose to praise and to give God thanks, that our faith grows, our confidence grows, and our witness for the kingdom grows in power. If you're a Christian, then isn't it true that so much of being a believer just seems backwards to the ways of the world? Like to die is to gain? Or that God desires humbleness over arrogance and pride? That the first shall be last and the last shall be first? That we are to love the unlovable? The list could go on. But one in particular is when the world, word of God tells us to give thanks for everything. Ephesians 5.20 says this, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says give thanks. Not to be debated, not to be you know, um, negotiated. This is a command. And give thanks for everything as long as it's going in Marvin's way. That's not what it says. It doesn't matter what's going on. The wind, the waves, the corruption. I still give thanks. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Give thanks thanks god knows what i can never know and i trust him because he loves not just me but all the world philippians 4 6 and 7 once again don't worry about anything instead pray about everything pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he has done then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. O oh, church, fear and worry and doubt are not of God, but praying and praising and giving God thanks in all things. Now that is, just because we may not know how or when God is going to do what He's going to do, it does not mean that we cannot praise Him and give Him thanks in all things. There is power in praise. And there is triumph in thanksgiving. Will you pray with me?
Father, I just pray for each and every person who's watching this message today that you would encourage them that whatever firestorm they're facing, whatever tempest is about them, that they can trust you, that you could take care of them in ways they could never take care of themselves. Lord, this is about you and your nation that you say God has blessed. So we trust you. And we know, Father, not even a bird can hit the ground without you knowing. How much more valuable are we than a bird? Lord, bless your people. Strengthen their faith. And may, Father, we say no to fear, no to worry, and no to doubt. And yes to hope, and yes to praise, and yes to giving thanks. Lord, your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.